And then you want to take her away with you. I have no choice. No. Your kind never has a choice. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. We're back for another episode of Forever Night. Two in one week. This time we're going to be doing episode eight. Season one, episode eight. Cherry Blossoms. This one is almost as uncomfortable as last week's, but for different reasons. So it's a little bit less secondhand embarrassment. A little bit more, wow, is this really how people of different ethnicities were portrayed in 1990s television? <laughs> the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Um, you know, it's funny because we were not, well, we were kids, little, when this first aired. Um, so I don't have a lot of contextual memory of the time period in which these were filmed and released and would have been socially acceptable. And you don't think of the nineties as long ago, but Matt said something today, which really just killed a little piece of my soul. Oh yeah. I saw a meme. Yeah. Kids in the nineties or kids today talking about the nineties is like kids of the nineties talking about the sixties. I died a little just a little bit in my my innermost being. It made us being. all feel old. Yeah, it did make us all feel old. Not that I feel that old. I'm not that old. Age is just a number. Nick's 800. He still acts like a child. It's totally fine. That's a good point. Yeah. That should be a reassurance for us all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we don't have any news. Do you have any news? Anything good happened to you Merry today? Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. Happy any and all wonderful holidays. Happy winter solstice, because that's when we're recording this. So, But this should get released right after Christmas. Oh, yeah. Right around then. Or maybe before, just depending on how on it I am. Since thanks to our sound editor. If three days. <laughs> for doing it. And a book episode and a movie. I'm a I'm a motivated woman, okay? <laughs> yeah, that that's what I told Ryan the other day is that you're a singularly motivated woman. Hi Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. At some point we're just going to creep him out and he's going to stop listening to us. Uh we wouldn't have to creep out Ryan if we had other Patreons. That's just a hint. You can find us on Patreon if you too want to get continually referenced in the show. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at Strange and Beautiful Book Club. I guess we're going to just talk about this one. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club.
So we're back to our usual cold opening on the crime, the crime in question. Well, first we get to see the crime. Yes, as usual. Lots of bang, bang, shoot him up. I mean, so I'm wondering if they actually shot at a prop car with automatic weapons. It's possible. Because we see a taxi and bullet holes are showing up in it. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but it's a cheap practical effect. Yeah. So this taxi drives up, picks up four people. And then as it gets ready to drive off, they get intercepted. And these two dudes who are truly just caricatures of hitmen. It's like somebody read a book about them (laughs) and they were like, I don't know. I think they wear like sunglasses, shoot automatic They wear all black suits. Yes. Suits. Okay. Slicked back hair. Got it. Black sunglasses at night. Oh yeah, absolutely. Long weapons. Uh Uh-huh. And they both strike matching poses. At the end, right? At the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just charge our weapon and then turn sideways and hold the gun up towards the sky. Obviously. That's what all hitmen do. That's what these hitmen do. Yeah. Barrel safety. Pointed at the ground or pointed up. And then we get the door to the taxi falls open and a limp hand falls out of the car flops out of the car and then but um but (laughs) up go into our intro it's brought across in 12 28 yeah you should know that by now because you stopped skipping the intro right guys because you're trying to get the full 1990s experience you can't skip the intro and you have to insert your own commercials it's just part of the gig we cut to them investigating the scene, and it's another trench coat party. Is it always that cold the, the in Toronto? Was tr- or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Out, we're just required to wear these in the at all evening. Times. In that region, you always need a coat. Yeah. Stone Trees back in his classic navy, Skanky sporting his khaki. But Nick, Nick has thrown us a curveball. This trench coat is not only black, it's leather. Upgrade. Upgrade. And it's that like gritty looking leather. The not shiny, not buffed, but the rough textured looking leather that was super popular in the 90s. The like grunge leather. As they're investigating, immigration arrives. And it's just one dude who introduces himself as Quan. And Skanky just leaps in headfirst to his role in this relationship, which is going to be the asshole. Are we all and, shocked? Who's shocked? Are you his, shocked? I'm not shocked. His regular episode, casual, insensitive commentary. Yeah. Right right off the right just right in the first five yeah, minutes. No. He was like, you guys know what you're no here for. Here. You know just, what you're expecting. So I'm just gonna give it to you. Ready? Here we go. Full cooperation in this matter. Captain Why, this is police work. Immigration, huh? Does that mean they're illegal? Pretty gruesome stuff for a pencil pusher, isn't it? Yes, it is, Detective. And no, they weren't legal. But they were important. And what do you know about the Chinese community, Detective? The crimes? All I know is my wife loves Mugu Gai Pan. Has this got something to do? And he mentions something. Oh, the inv- the immigration officer mentioned something about this woman who was in the taxi, and it's terrible because she was supposed to testify. And Stone Tree's like, oh, snap. All the bodies in the car were dudes. 
And so he, Quan, says, she must have escaped the car, to which Nick replies, if she was in there in the first place. And then we immediately cut to the morgue, and it's Natalie. And she's like, she was in the car. So that moment of suspense was approximately 20 seconds long. Didn't Skanky say something to Quan? And Nick interjected, like, Skanky, like, quiet for a minute. Is this about Hong Kong? Because apparently Nick keeps up on of current Nick affairs. Keeps up with current events. I don't remember. Honestly. And yes, it's a Hong Kong gang. Yeah, it's a Hong testify. Kong gang that she's testifying against. And they're in like Toronto, Chinatown. And Skanky gets a line about this is just like the movie. And Stone Tree's like, this isn't a movie, Skanky. This and is real life. John Capellos is behind Nick, and he gets this look like, <clears throat> yeah, good one, real good, good one, Stone Tree, good one, fellow actor. <laughs> In a yes, this is real this life. This is real life. Whatever, Nick is Nick, or Skanky is just having a insensitivity field day. That's what Skanky's having. He was on the track. It was rolling out of the station, and he just took it for the ride. All the way home. So that's what this whole opening thing is, is trying to establish what's going on while Skanky is just truly insulting everyone, everyone around him. But Nat does drop the news that the woman was in the car because she found blood types. There's blood that doesn't match the other, the, the three bodies. victims. The fastest turnaround test right now is in this time period is blood typing. That's we right. use it a lot because that's what they could do quickly. DNA was a long process. It wasn't something that ha- or even now it's not that fast of a process, but it was something that you could do but you couldn't do it on the spur of the moment like you could do blood typing. So she mentions there was another blood type in the car that didn't match the bodies that I have here. And so Nick asks her a question and she kind of bites his head off. She's like, I don't know. Why don't you consult a Ouija board? And then she takes a moment and she says, I'm sorry. Having a bad day. To be fair, Nick has snapped at her when he's been having a bad day like a bunch already. Yeah. So it's okay for Nat to have this moment of weakness because. Right. And especially she apologizes right after. Yeah. Whereas Nick will snap at her all episode. And then at the end, he leaves her a flower and a note. Yeah, or, something. or perfume or, or perfume. something. Yeah, because when a man gets his wife flowers for no reason, there's usually a reason. Nick taught me that. <laughs> so she says that uh, her budget's been cut. She's got to fire some people. But there's not really anything they can go do because working in a morgue doesn't have a lot of transferable skills. And so she says, life's a bitch. And then Skanky gets to say... And then you die. Life's a bitch. And then you die. Or don't die if you're Nick. Then we cut back to the station. And Quan, our immigration officer, is talking with Stone Tree. And he's trying to convince Stone Tree that this is a high priority case. Somebody needs to be on it. They need to be on it right now. And Stone Tree's like, I have the manpower. To devote exactly two people to this case. And here they are. Yeah. 
Hey, anybody want to guess what two people he devotes to the case? <laughs> oh, ooh, I know. Skanky and Nick. And they just happen to be standing there, like, cuddling around the corner. They are so close, right? They just... <laughs> right? <laughs> They're partners. Nick has no personal bubble. Nick had a personal bubble 600 years ago. He's dispensed with all personal bubbles. He just stands inches away from everyone at, at, every, at every given moment. And so the, looms. Looms. Although Skanky's standing behind him. So in all fairness, Skanky is the one looming. Uh, but he says, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Quan says, or Nick says to Quan, it'll be good to have somebody out there with us because traditionally people in this area of town don't have a good relationship with the police. And it'll be good to have someone that's more familiar and who can translate. And Skanky's like, hang on. Haven't you spoken Chinese don't before? Don't you speak Chinese? Don't you speak Chinese? Um, just leaving aside the fact that Chinese is an umbrella term for tons of different Multiple dialects. Multiple languages, yeah. yeah. Um, but just, that's a whole other thing. But from Skanky's point of view, he has heard Nick speak to people in this area before. And they seem to understand him. So why can't we just keep doing that? And that happened in the first episode in Dark Knight. Right. When they went to go get catch the guy with the Uzi. So that was a nice callback. But Nick's like, well, you know, I speak a little. We're going to need a Chinese player on this. People down there don't trust the cops. So we don't speak the same language. I thought I heard you speak Chinese before. Well, I know a little. We got a Chinese detective we can bring. But. It'll be good. It'll be good to have somebody out there, you know, with you, Skanky. You take him. You go ask questions. Yeah, Nick is like overtly offloading a lot of work onto Skanky. Yeah. Because Nick wants to just fly around and do do it the vampire way. Yeah, he just wants to, he wants to be his like cowboy detective. I can fly and I don't want to be saddled with this guy that can't fly thing. Because he immediately leaves and flies off, whoosh, flies off back to Chinatown. And he revisits the scene of the taxi and he like bribes the guard to the guy just, guarding the he scene. He just says, to leave. I'm going to poke around a little bit. Why don't you, you go, go get take some a break? coffee? Yeah. yeah, but he doesn't stick around there. He finds a blood trail and he like bloodhounds his way. He uses his vampire powers. Yeah, he bloodhounds his way through the blood trail. Yeah, he finds the drips. And he ends up in an acupuncture. I don't know. What is that called? Acupuncture-ist. Acupuncture-ist. Yeah, an acupuncturist. But what do you call a shop in which an acupuncturist a- does their acupuncture? <laughs> an acupunctuary? <laughs> I don't know. A punctuality? <laughs> That's a bad one. So bad. We better get to the point here. Uh, but he walks into the acupuncturist shop. Let's call it that. And he sees a statue. And of course, this statue whisked him away to a time gone by. Flashback. Flashback. Uh, and our flashback, no big surprise, is to an acupuncturist store shop but it's not it's like an opium den and in the back is this woman who's living there with her son who does acupuncture and she hap- she is an acupuncturist but she doesn't have her own establishment because it's right. san francisco and she's just having a hard time getting by and she mentioned it's not great that we're living here right now but at least my son can see what vice does to people 
So we get a brief exchange in some Chinese dialogue, dialect here uh, where Nick is talking to her and we have no subtitles, so we don't know what, exactly what they're saying. But eventually she switches to English, which feels merciful because I don't speak Chinese, any version of Chinese at all. But I can't imagine Garrett Wynn Davies is killing it here. Just listening to the intonation on Nick talking versus this lady talking, there's no variation in his pitch when he's talking, and that's a hallmark of Chinese. I mean, kudos tonality. to them for trying. Yes. I guess. Good effort. But thankfully, we right. switch. He only has like three lines. Yes. So she's immediately like, boop, boop, poke, poke, you're paralyzed. But don't worry, I help men overcome their urges all the time, like totes. For all kinds of things. Not a problem. I mean, I've done sex. I've done drugs. What's blood? It's just another addiction. It's fine. And it all comes from the brain. It all comes from the brain. So she freezes him with a couple of needles. And then she's getting ready to leave. And he's like, well, where are you going? (laughs) She says, you have to face your temptation. I don't know what she's going to get. Because when she comes back, she doesn't have anything. But she's not coming back. I thought right she now. had a platter. But then. Well, her son walks in with a platter and serves them tea. Right. But when she comes back and. Oh, surprise. <laughs> Laquan and Jeanette show up. Yeah. Jeanette and they open the door and like smoke just starts pouring in through the door. <laughs> it's the aesthetic. It's the aesthetic, I guess. But anyway, Jeanette's like, oh, <gasps> hey, Nick. <laughs> We found you. <laughs> and then, whoop, we head back to modern times. We'll stick a pin in that. We'll, we'll, we'll stick a pin in that for now. <laughs> but he gets confronted by Chong, which that's this guy's name. But this is that Asian guy. That guy. That guy. This is anyone. Poe's dad from since, Kung Fu Panda. N- yeah. Anyone since what? 1950 that needed somebody of Asian descent, he's the first on the list. James Hong. Yeah, James Hong, who's been married to the same woman since 1977. Wow. And Rachel said he has more film credits than than John John Capellas. Yeah. Sorry, John. But he's been at it literally since the 50s. So he's he's had 70 years to get some film credits under his belt. But... You know this guy. We all know this guy. And for some reason, they felt compelled to make him look even more. They were like, okay, okay, we get that you're Asian and you look Asian. But can we get you to look more, more Asian? Asian. How, how, can we, how can we go the extra mile here? Long, thin. <laughs> yeah, long, thin, <laughs> like soul hair. patch thing. <laughs> and then he's got like thickened eyebrows that are like fluffy at the end he looks like the quote old master in every classic kung fu film yeah the made up old you know what i'm talking about like the old master archetype like from kill bill the guy she goes to visit who has the long white beard who's always like flicking his beard yeah yeah where he has the extra thick eyebrows and the yeah that's exactly what he looks like it's not great but it's what happened so we're just going to have to move on because here we are. This is what we've been given. This is the this is the hand we've been dealt. And we're going to have to figure out where to go from here. 
Uh, but Nick has some exchange with him. And for the most, for most of this exchange, he's in the shadow. And he's talking to him. But then he steps around and he ends up stepping into the light in order to hand Chong his business card. Because he knows this woman came here. And right, this guy's he followed like, the blood trail here. Because he followed the blood trail. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. If I saved her. If she even came into my shop. Yeah, he's like, I'm not even, I'm not going to talk to you about this. And then he sees the guy and he's like. <gasps> he recognizes Nick. Nick killed my mommy. And then we get his flashback, which is him remembering seeing Nick holding his mother. And Nick, who really needs to learn how to rein this shit in. Sees a little boy open the door and then turns and like bears his fangs and snarls at him. And then yoink through the ceiling. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what if there was a floor above it? Straight up. (laughs) (laughs) What if there were floors above it and he had to go through other people's apartments (laughs) to get out? What if the bathrooms were there? Just imagine some guy shoots out of your floor and then keeps going You're up through on your the toilet. ceiling. You're just like, what? What the fuck just happened? Why didn't he go out the door? The, the door to the street was right there in that It room. was farther to go from the floor to the ceiling than it would have to go from the floor to the door. It took longer to fly the fuck up out of but the house. But it's more dramatic. It's I want more mellow dramatic. I want to I want to see the after scene of this that like Nick didn't remember that there were three stories over it and he got stuck in some plumbing. <laughs> just, <laughs> just. <laughs> oh, anyway, poor Nick. He just makes odd decisions sometimes. So then we get Skanky walking around with Quan. Just just more painfully awkward Uh, like on the street yeah door to door right so he's like why do people around here not trust the cops and kwan says well traditionally the men in blue have not really been our friends and i even though i'm chinese i look like them i'm asian they don't trust me any more than they trust you because i'm on your side right he's he starts off giving this like tasteful commentary like yeah of the cultural differences and then skanky actually responds right well the guy calls skanky a fangway fangway i probably murdered that but that's what he called him and he defines it as like barbarian because skanky asks him what it means but he says kes kese Fangwei. Chinese. I'm still working down here with a fangwei. Qu'est-ce que c'est fangwei? It means barbarian, well, sort of. Barbarian. <laughs> Skanky. You didn't have to... Uh, any, uh, uh. I, I get where they're going. Because he's like, hey, I speak another language too. Kind of. A little bit. I've, I've heard French spoken <laughs> before. I recognize some of those letters. <laughs> And then he's like, what do you mean I'm a bar- barbarian? I'm not a barbarian. He's like, no, I just mean that like our culture has been around longer. And Skanky's like, like well, that doesn't make you more... off the rack suit. I know. He's like, that doesn't make you more civilized. 
just because your culture's been around longer, and then they sort of disappear. So this debate continues off camera. And then we cut to Skanky and Quan at the police station, just screaming at each other. Right. And Skanky keeps calling him little. Why, you Come little? On, Skanky. <laughs> uh. It's a lot. And Stone Tree's like, Skanky, you really missed a career opportunity. In the diplomatic corps. In core. the diplomatic corps. Just a real career opportunity with the diplomatic course, Genki. That's sarcasm, you guys. <laughs> sarcasm. Stone Tree is good at delivering sarcasm. Yeah, so Quan storms off. He says, if you guys aren't going to cooperate, I'm going to talk to the chief about this. And he dips. And then Nick shows up, and Nick's like, don't stop on my account. <laughs> Please keep yelling insensitive things at each other. It's fine. Uh, but he more or less breaks it up just by arriving and being Nick. But it turns out there's been a break in another case. And now Stone Tree can put a couple more people on this. So Stone Tree says. They can form a task force, if you yes. will. Yeah. So Stone Tree's like, Nick, you're going to lead the task force. Uh, get ready to debrief everybody or brief everybody in the morning. Yeah. And Nick's like. Nah, I ain't going to do that. He's like, Skanky's going to do it. Yeah. Skanky's great for this. I'd love to do it, but Skanky'd love it better. Skanky's going to do this. Skanky is the ambitious one. Skanky knows the case. He knows the streets. This is right up his alley. I'm rooting for you, Skanky. And (laughs) Skanky's like, thanks. This reminds me of a couple episodes back where Skanky said, you take advantage of me, Nick, and I know it. Because he does. Because he just voices off all the parts of the case that he doesn't want to do. All the actual like human interaction that he doesn't feel up to. He he pushes on to Skanky. Which it's not like Skanky is any better at being around other people than he is. He just doesn't have the persuasive powers that Nick does. Right. And, and he has less to hide. Yeah. So there's... Yeah, Skanky is very uh, WYSIWYG. <laughs> Yes. What you see is what you get, for sure. And I think Nick tries to avoid any extra attention. Yeah. Any extra scrutiny on him. I also think he just doesn't give a shit sometimes. Well, yeah, there's there's certain kinds of work that Nick does not like to yeah, do. Yeah, he's not going to do it. He even says it. I'm he not says, a team I'm player. I'm not a team player. Yeah. I, I'm just going to go out there and be on my own because that's what I'm best at. And Stone Tree's like, <laughs> you're right, man. You're not good at that. You go do you. Skanky's like, ah, shit. Uh, But Nick leaves and uh, leaves Skanky to his fate. And it turns out he's going to go follow the guy from the acupuncture shop, acupuncturist shop, uh, because Chong is hanging out in his third floor apartment, which Nick is hovering outside of, (laughs) creeping in the windows. Nick's standing in the uh, alley. Walking down the alley, and then you kind of see him like stand up taller and cut. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, okay, he's starting to fly. Yeah. And then he just floats up in front of Chong's window. (laughs) (laughs) Just. Well, he can't go in. Chong's not a woman. He can only assault women in their apartments. That's a good point. If it's a guy, he has to just creep from outside. These are the rules. I don't make them. Just is what it is. But Chong leaves and he's like, I'm going to follow you. So he follows Chong to the second location, which is some kind of warehouse. And that is where he has the woman. 
who got shot at the very beginning. And she's still alive. And he's been treating her. They keep calling him a a doctor. And he's credited as doctor. But I want to know, is he actually supposed to be a doctor? Because he's just numbing the pain with acupuncture and giving her herbal medicine. Well, he cleaned the wounds, too. And bandaged her. Yeah. So I guess he could be a doctor. She calls him doctor. Uh, but after he arrives at that second location, we cut back to the precinct because Skanky is getting the task force together. He's briefing everybody. He's briefing everybody. And he's actually doing a really good job. The first nine-tenths of the pep talk are on point. Great. Great. You're doing awesome, Skanky. Good job, Skanky. Then he blows it. Saturate the area around this acupuncture shop and do a house-to-house. I want everybody to keep on their toes. We are dealing with some very heavy hitters here who know exactly what they're doing. All right, so just go in there, smile, show the picture, ask the questions, and get out. Now, I want you to call in every house, ladies and gentlemen. And I can't emphasize this enough, but be nice, be courteous, because these people have a different way of doing things than us, okay? Oh, yeah, and if immigration shows up, tell them to take a hike. He's like, oh, yeah, and if immigration shows up? Tell them to take a hike. Yeah, it's not amazing. Skanky. Come on, Skanky. So when we go back, Nick is confronting the old guy and he puts his hand on the guy's hand as he reaches for his bag. And he's like, I really would rather you not pull a gun on me again. It's the thing. I don't like guns pulled on me. Not call it I, a weakness. Call it a weakness. And he says, she needs a doctor. She needs someone to take care of her. And he's like, I am taking care of her. I am a doctor. She's fine. And Nick says, well, she's not safe here. And he's like, well, she was safe until you showed up. She looks fine to me. And the woman is totally on Chong's side. She's like, I, I, right. I can't trust you. I trusted immigration and look what it got me. My brother's dead. My uncle's dead. I'm not going with you guys. She's justifiably unwilling to trust Nick. And he ends up just having to leave. Well, first Chong shoes him away. He's like, if you're just going to sit here and be an asshole, go be an asshole over on that crate. Go, go, go over to the crate. And Nick's like, fine, I'll go to the crate. And Chong makes a pretty convincing argument here. He's like, she does not trust you. She almost died. If you try to take her, she's going to fight you. If she fights you, she's going to die. Yeah. So don't take her away. Yeah. It's good. It works. So Nick's like, all right, I'm convinced that you are doing everything you can, everything in your power to keep her safe. Just promise me that you'll still be here when I get back. Yeah. With the doctor. He's like, you're going to you're gonna be here, right? If I leave and I come back, you guys are going to be right here. And Chong's like, oh, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I'm not going to let you out of my sight. I mean, I'm not going to let her out of my sight. Yeah, he has. Uh, is this after Natalie shows up where they're talking about uh, like the protection program and like she'll get a new identity and everything well this is after yeah this is after nat shows up because right now they just have this thing where he's like i'm not being stubborn it's fear of revenge yes we should all be afraid Afraid of of revenge revenge. he is (laughs) dropping some heavy innuendo it is is not picking it up nick is picking up fuck all so this is the perfect time for Nick to go back 
and say, hey, I found her. She's at this address. Yeah. And then put a couple cops there and wait for the the leaker to show up. But he he's not that clever. Well, he could also just be afraid that they could send too many send too much they could be overwhelmed and then he's the one who's given away this woman's position and if she does die as a result of well, it it'll be his no, no, no 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 i i emphasized this address oh because yeah. it's a fake address right we could have just done a little switch out change yeah. i got i get you yeah he could have but it no this is not a deep episode no we've had not. quite a few deep episodes in a row we've been confronting some heavy shit for nick the only lesson, the only real takeaway from this one is that Nick has zero awareness of what <laughs> other people are actually trying to tell him. Nick is so and wholly we, wrapped up in Nick, he just doesn't see it. We also see um, how committed he is to not hurting people. Yeah, I guess that you could... Not hurting people who aren't shooting him right yeah right yeah i it just i don't not like this episode but we don't get the depth in this episode that we get in some other episodes but he he goes back and skanky and stone tree are looking at this map <laughs> and skanky is using red pins and stone tree is just fucking with skanky because <laughs> yeah. skanky's using red pins to mark the positives and green pins to mark the negatives. And so Stone Tree's like, okay, what are the red pins for again? And he's like, man, I already told you. And he stops, stops, mid-sentence. And Stone Tree goes, that was a good career move, Skanky. Because he was about to yell at him. And he cut himself <laughs> off. But Nick shows up and he's just like, I found her. And he like really excitedly leans on the desk. And they're like, oh, fuck, yes, you found her. Where is she? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> She's secret. She's safe. <laughs> so <laughs> Stone Tree's like, um, what? And he's like, well, she's fine-ish. I mean, she's stable. She's got internal injuries that are still bleeding, but apparently that's not an emergency situation. So she's she's fine. Um, but I'm not going to tell you where she is because there's a leak somewhere in immigration, and we don't want her to get hurt. I promised her uh, I wouldn't let her get hurt. Right. And obviously it's Quan. Yeah. Because he's the only immigration officer we've ever we, met. Yeah. We have yeah. met no other people from immigration right. to set up as the scapegoat. Yes. Yeah. They, they didn't They didn't go that deep. Right. So Quan shows up and Stone Tree's like, oh, good news. We found her. <sighs> She's excited. And he's like, oh, my God, that's great. We'll take her to a safe house. This is going to be perfect. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to go tell everybody else at immigration. They're all going to be stoked. And he's leaving out the door. And Nick is like, Stone Tree, what the, what? I just told you not to tell him. And Stone Tree's like, what did I tell him? Did I tell him where she was? I don't think I fucking did. And so he tells Nick, look, up. you want to keep it a secret? Fine. But you have to stay with her 24-7. And you need a doctor. These are not suggestions. Look me in the eye, Nick. Look me in the eye. You don't get to do what you normally do, which is I tell you what to do, and then you tell me what you're going to do. 
I'm or, telling or you what I you're tell you do. what I'm going to do, and you just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, "Where's Nick for six hours?" The only reason Nick is not fired is because he generally gets the bad guy somehow. He might tear up cars. Everybody always comes in in terrible condition, but screaming caught. about glowing eyes <laughs> and fangs. But caught, they're caught. That's what matters. <laughs> so as Nick is leaving, Stone Tree sits down at the desk again, and he's like, "Okay, Skanky, now tell me, what are the red pins for?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I knew Stone Tree was just fucking with him. Fucking with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Stone Tree is Matt's spirit animal. <laughs> I love at the beginning. The he has such a great deadpan delivery. Very beginning. Um, they mention that immigration might have a leak. And Quan says, well, just do whatever you can to stall them. And Stone Tree says, I'll stone tree them. And Captain, I can't let the press get all over this. We have to be very discreet. Don't worry about it. I'll stone tree them. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks so pleased with himself. Yes. <laughs> like, I came up with that on my own. I wonder if he ad-libbed that. I'm oh, guessing there's a lot of ad-libbed lines yeah. Oh, yeah, in absolutely. It's not like they have to keep it consistent. They could go off on a tangent. It doesn't right. even this matter. This isn't Babylon 5. Yeah. And so Nick, during the discussion over the pins, says, oh, you know, we I want to keep her a secret because there could be a leak or whatever. And Skanky's like, huh, it really sounds like you're taking credit for my idea. And Nick tells him. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. If no one knows where she is, nobody can leak it. Yeah, it's funny how you've taken my theory and decided to call it your own. Hey, law of averages, skank. I mean, every once in a while, even you've got to be right. <laughs> Which is really funny because almost all the time, skanky is the one who's yes. right. And very infrequently is Nick the one who gets it right. Right. So is this Nick just trolling Skanky? Everyone's this is just like trolling everyone's skanky. trolling Skanky episode. Yeah, this yeah. is a good comeuppance episode for Skanky because he's being himself and no one is having it. And they're all just giving as good as he gives. Uh, but he only knows one doctor, Nick, and it's Dr. Lambert. So Natalie. He, Natalie. So he goes to the morgue and he's like escorting her out. And she says, I don't know if you know this, Nick. But most of my patients over the last few years have been dead. And he's like, well, this will be a nice change then. <laughs> She's only 30. She's only 30. She's not even 30 yet. She's going to turn 30 in a couple of episodes. Which means she's 29. And the first time I watched this through, there's an episode where she turns 30 and she gets a cake. And she's like, wow, 30 candles. Yep, all there. And I remember thinking, wow, she's super old. <laughs> <laughs> But you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that finishes their residency A professional coroner at 29, and she's been a coroner for the last several years, and it's implied she at one point worked on live people? She got through medical school yeah. and residency fast. Yeah. that's Well, maybe that's why she feels like she can tackle turning a vampire into a human. Is because she's smarter than your average bear. That's that's fair. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting note. Well, anyway, he did tell Stone Tree he would get a doctor out there to look at the, the woman. And he did. It's just Nat. So they show up. They get out of the car and walk into the apartment or to the warehouse building. And I th I thought, okay. 
they went to a decoy address. Oh, no. No. But no. No, no. No. I'm sorry. You're giving Again. Me way too much credit here. <laughs> they, they didn't take advantage of that plot mechanism. Weren't they listening to this podcast? We gave them the solution. They could have done it the way we told them to. But oh, no. Nick goes straight to the warehouse where the lady is because he's taking the doctor to the lady. And that's what he said he would do. And that's what he's doing. And he had no other thought beyond that. Yep. So he takes Natalie there and she gets enough time to look at the woman and tell Chong that he did a good job taking care of her. And pretty much everything you could do, trauma-wise, has been dealt with and great. But she is going to need surgery eventually. For the internal injuries. But also, they've been followed. <gasps> yep. And for sure, Quan was the leak. But only because they had his family. So he gave it all up. So he could save his wife and kids. And uh, Natalie and Nick are talking to Chong. Oh, uh, he said he would take um, Nancy in. That they wouldn't have a choice. Yeah. And so Chong says. And then you want to take her away with you. I have no choice. No. Your kind never has a choice. Which is just another... He is fucking throwing sandbags at Nick. Your kind? Yeah. These aren't cleverly crafted, subtle barbs. This is him whacking Nick over the head with a hammer with the, I know what you are, and I really don't like you. And the only part of it that Nick is picking up is the fact that Tong doesn't like him. And he's like, man, why why does nobody around here like cops? That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) He's not getting it at all. But the bad guys who have closed in now are in the warehouse and they're coming for the woman. So Nick has to go fight them off. So this is bad guy 9, 10, and 11 that Nick takes the time to snarl in front of, flash his fangs, get the bright eyes. I mean, the Throws them around show. with one arm. Yeah, he like rips a pipe down and shoots steam at the one guy. The full Monty, everything, all of it. He just takes these guys down as a vampire. But again, they're not dead, which means he's, this is now... And then he's getting ready to take down the third guy, but then Chong sneaks up and pokes him in the neck. Yeah. Hits him with an acupuncture needle and the guy passes out. And Chong gets the full frontal of Nick. Yeah, and Nick's like, oh, he saw me. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's This bothers you, Nick? This this is the straw that breaks the, the dam of lies that you have built to hold back the tidal wave of evidence that you have left be in your wake? Okay, so then a the bunch of police arrive. And they're talking to Chong and whatever. And Nick and Natalie are chatting <laughs> off to the having, side. And Nick's like, oh, no. He's like, why does this keep happening to me? Why do people Story keep Story of my life. Why do people keep figuring out what I am? I hide it so well. Maybe they won't believe him. He hates me now. I don't know why, but he does. And he knows he's got me. Well, then get out of here. Go. It's happening again, the story of my life. If I have to leave, I'll get in contact with you somehow. Hey, promise me one thing. Whatever happens, you won't ever stop trying to become human. 
<laughs> and he's like, I might have to go. I might have to just leave. I'll have if to I run. have to leave, I'll make sure to find you. And Natalie's like, just promise me you'll never stop trying to become human. It, <laughs> this does not ring true. This would ring true if at any point in the previous seven episodes he had made any attempt to hide what he is. But again, Nick has done fuck all to keep people from seeing what he is. And yet, one old guy. But this, this, this is what Nick is like. I'm done for. It's just the first not bad guy. What about the guy he <laughs> stuck out the window one-armed and Skanky caught him what doing it? What about the guy he dropped out of the sky in front of his car? What about the guy he ripped his door off and chucked it in front of him? Well, how about the people he, cl- he flew at and clotheslined as he was <laughs> flying? How about the guy he held up by one arm and flashed his fangs and glowing green eyes before he tossed him? Okay, anyway. The list can go on for all. This could be a two hour long podcast if we have to talk about every single time Nick has dropped his mask and had not the presence of mind to put it back up again. But we do get kind of a throwaway line about how Quan was the leak and Quan's family is safe because Genki, quote, persuaded one of the, quote, thugs to give up where the family was being held. And we just treat this whole resolution of this storyline as kind of a cursory, whatever, it's done, okay? They, they, everybody's safe, everybody's fine, it's fine, fine, fine. Because this isn't Great. our real storyline. the story episode's line. over. Yeah, but this isn't Crime our real storyline. Yeah. Our real storyline is this guy getting revenge on Nick for killing his mother. But Chong is playing up the, I'm just a tired old man who wants to go home. And he asks Nick for a ride. And Nick's like, you didn't tell me, tell them what you saw. And he goes, what I saw was someone trying to save a life. The same life that I was trying to save. And Nick's like, oh my God, I feel seen. He's like, okay, I'll drive you home. You take my car. He's finally picking up this guy's like subtext. (laughs) But not the right subtext. Not the right one. (laughs) No, not at all. Because he turns around and he, uh, Chong stabs Nick in the neck with a needle. And yeah. knocks him out. And Garrett does like a cross-eyed pass-out thing. He like <laughs> flops sideways out of, out of screen. I put in my notes, Chong pins him. <laughs> Chong stuck a pin in it. And then we get our full flashback. This is the same, almost the same thing we used last time, where we got partial bits of flashback. And then we got the full context later. And now we finally get the full context, which is not only did Jeanette walk in, but LaCroix too. And LaCroix's like, Nick, when will you learn? And Nick's like, uh, when will you learn? I think I told you we broke up and you need to, you need to quit following me around. We're done. We're done, LaCroix. And he's like, oh, no, no, we're never done. Our friendship is forever. Our friendship is forever. Besides, it's not your choice. He literally tells him, you don't have a choice. You're my friend forever. And Nick's like, oh, God damn it. But... At that moment, May walks in, which is the acupuncturist that he's seeing in the past. And uh, LaCroix immediately just kills her. Even though Nick's like, no, don't stop. Go back. And that's when the little boy walks in 
which is he sees Nick bending over his mother's dead body. But it was really Lacroix who killed her. And so we get that full flashback. And when we come back, Nick is in like a chair and he's paralyzed. And it's implied that however he's done it is a way that causes pain. Because he says the more if, you struggle. If you trust to fight it. Yeah. yeah. And the more you struggle, the more the pins will call you, cause you pain. And so he pulls out a talisman, like a painted thing on a piece of paper. And he's like, this, I'll this be able to. This is a spell. Yeah, this is yes. a spell that will allow me to defeat you. Like, you didn't need that. You just needed wood. But that's fine. Like, it's fine. Make you feel better. That's fine. So he, like, goes to pin it to Nick's face. And Nick's like, what? why are you doing this? He's like, uh, because one of your kind killed my mother. No, no, no. You killed my mother. And then he goes to pin it on Nick's face. And Nick says, are you my little boy? And he's like, oh, so you remember killing my mother. And Nick's like, no, I haven't killed anybody. And like, oh, I don't know. What day is it? A mm, hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just kind of go back and forth. I didn't kill your mother. You did. You I did. saw you. Yes. I can't trust you. Of course you did. And he's like, no, remember, remember. Don't you remember there was a beautiful woman? And he remembers Jeanette because Jeanette was like open mouth rubbing Nick on the side of the face. You know, she called the him, She called him. An immovable beast. <laughs> and he's like, well, we could call her. We could get her right now. You want to get her? Let's go get her. So Nick just drags Jeanette into the fire. Literally, because she's smoking when she arrives, because it's dawn. And so she runs up the stairs, cursing Nick the whole way. Comes in, chucks off her jacket, and is wearing, like, big sunglasses and, like, a black slip. And that's the only thing she has on. Because, of course, he probably woke her up. So these are, like, her pajamas. And she's like, this had better be... <gasps> because she walks in to find Nick incapacitated. And Nick's like, no! Ten seconds and he's dead. <laughs> yeah. You just need to convince him that I'm... That I wasn't the one who killed his mother. And so Jeanette has to come to Nick's defense here. And it pains her to have to paint the picture of Nick as the paragon of vampiric morality because she's just like he doesn't hurt people anymore like like it he's a good but she does it guy she does it for Nick yeah she does it for Nick and Chong is not buying it still he's like no 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 he killed him. She's like, no, no, there was another one of us there. Don't you remember? And then with them prompting him through this memory, which feels like an implanted memory at this point because we've been walking him through it, but that's okay. Um, they walk him through seeing Lacroix and the fact that Lacroix killed killed his mother. And Nick says he didn't wasn't even hungry. He just killed her because that's the type of person he was. But don't worry, guys. He's dead. Right? He's dead for at least another, oh, 13 episodes. I don't remember Nick saying that LaCroix was dead. No, he didn't. I was just reassuring the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so Chung remembers the truth, and he realizes that Nick is, I mean, he everything that Nick has done up to this point should have endeared him to anyone because right. he fought so hard to save Someone that Chung was also trying to save. They right. were on the same side. The only reason he was trying to enact his revenge is because 
he was re- uh, avenging his mother's death by killing the man he thought killed his mother. So once he realizes that isn't Nick, he's done. He just pulls the pins out and he's finished. He just walks off camera. We never see him again. And they somehow make it back to Nick's apartment. And Jeanette, the only thing Jeanette has to add here is that Nick's apartment's a little small, isn't it? And he goes, well, I got to keep it. Got to keep it pretty sparse or they think I'm dirty. Uh, they think I'm uh, the type of cop that flies around, beats people <laughs> up. Well, and she also wants a piece of Nick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, I don't know why you don't just give up this quest for morality. But you know what? It's fine. Because you're not human yet. I know exactly what you are. And uh, it's like we're both going to be trapped here all day. You know, I honestly don't know why you bother, Nicola. You're not human, and you never will be. Oh. May I? Yeah, help yourself. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's cow, isn't it? <sighs> Delicious. You know, Nick, your life would be so much easier if you came over and joined us again for good. Oh, I refuse to do that. Right. Instead, you choose to cower before an old man, a man that you could snap like a twig. Well, for me, it's a better life. Is it really? Even though you needed me to save you? I'm grateful for that. Are you? Then show me. Show me, Nick. What are we going to do about it, Nick? And so he, uh, like, licks her throat, which is the weirdest, (laughs) but slightly... Well... When, I'm slightly not mad at this move. The like when you've been married for 80 years, yeah. you have to get creative. Yeah, the like chest to chin lick that he does is not. I'm not mad at this. I'm not mad at this scene. I think uh, Nick and Jeanette's chemistry is just awesome. Yeah, they don't have a lot of like I love you chemistry, but they have a lot of I would love to fuck you chemistry. Yes, and that's what we get in this moment right here. Is like. Yeah, let's do this. Right, let's like, just do this right now. Like I remember reading um, in an interview about the Adams Family screenplay, and literally the like the italicized just character descriptions were: I want the audience to feel like these two characters, Gomez and Morticia, Morticia. Literally just want to fuck each other all the time. All the time. <laughs> That's the energy I want every scene to have yeah. when these two are in the scenes. And it's it's what we get from Nick and Jeanette. Yeah. Pretty much every time they're together, unless she's shaming him for his lifestyle, like she did last episode. But she was kind of disgusted. Even when she's shaming him. When she's done shaming him, she's I know, like, she turned around but and you was can like, stay if you want. She turned around and was like, you coming home with me or what? and it works because you feel like they're of a kind they do a good job of being like yes nick is 
he's playing the role of this moral cop. But when he's with Jeanette, he's only ever one step away from what he used to be. Right. He still feels all the urges. Yeah. He's just, it's probably more that he's built this whole context of life separate from that. So he doesn't have all the cues reminding him of all the previous patterns of behavior. Right. He's had to completely break from the type of people that enabled his addiction is what he did. And every time he's around Jeanette, he just remembers what it would feel like to just let it all go again. And so he's about to let it all go again with Jeanette. And Natalie walks in and she's like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. Natalie's embarrassed. Yeah. And Nick's like, oh, Nick's like, oh, Natalie, wait. Jeanette is not embarrassed. No, Jeanette's like, oh, hey, Natalie. Nick's told me about you. Nick has spoken of you often. Yeah. So she starts walking towards Natalie, like they're about to have a conversation. And Nick turns towards the camera, although he doesn't look directly in the camera. And he makes like a... Oh shit! Face, <laughs> and then we cut to credits. And that's well, the he, end of he that gets episode. Natalie to not to stop leaving. Yeah, which I don't. So know. He should just. We let don't know her how flee. this <laughs> should interaction ends because he doesn't know Jeanette. She's chaotic neutral. She could do whatever. What's yeah. Jeanette's character class? Nick's a paladin. Would Jeanette be a warlock? Maybe. Uh, a deal with a. Like a uh, a willing deal with a patron. I'd say Lacroix is more the warlock. Jeanette feels more like a rogue. Maybe a bard, because she does so much yeah. communication. I wanted to say bard, because she's really kind of our... She's our information trafficker. Yeah. She owns a bar, pub, music station whatever it is it's club club club's the word she owns a club because she owns the raven so yeah i think she's a bard she's a bard she's a chaotic neutral bard she's yeah. not chaotic evil because she does sometimes act for good if it serves her right she she does good things yeah but purely out of self-interest right or to help nick which helping nick is her own self-interest right that's fair so Natalie is a cleric? Yeah. Yeah. Skanky. <laughs> Skanky. <laughs> he can't be a bard. He's not sensitive enough. He's got to be. He's just a barbarian. He's a barbarian, exactly like Quan called him. Yep. Yeah. And Stone Tree is a. Another paladin? Maybe a druid. Mmm. Stone Tree's a druid. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, this was not our deepest, most profound and thought-provoking episode of Forever Night ever. It's not a bad episode. Yeah, I'd I'd say it it reinforces how committed Nick is to being the good guy. Yeah. Because he literally puts himself in mortal danger. Yeah. Just because he doesn't want to hurt Chung because Chung's not a bad guy. I think this was a palate cleanser episode for us too. But we also get to see how willing Jeanette is 
to still come at a moment's notice to yeah. help Nick. Yeah, that they are really still friends, despite what she said to him. Because last week's episode was a doozy. It was a heavy one. It had a lot of theme. It had a lot for Nick to wrestle with. It really brought us to the edge of thinking. Nick's morality is performative. So I think this was our palate cleanser episode. We were like, Jeanette and Nick are still friends, guys. Nick is still committed to being a good guy. Don't worry. We've got this. And then next episode, we're going to be back to some pretty heavy shit. So I definitely think this was like a bit of fluff, bit of a rest. Yeah. Everything ended happy. Nobody, I mean, people died. Three people died at the very beginning. But nobody that we were emotionally invested in through the course of the episode, like Denise, passed away at the end. So it was pretty good. I'm looking forward to seeing the next one with you because it answers a lot of mythology questions and it just gives us a little bit of stuff to talk about. A little bit more meat on the bone, so to speak, of things we can really chew over. Okay. I'm down for mythology. I know. And I love that about you. So if anybody wants to check out the previous episodes of Forever Night that we have covered, you can do that. Those are on pretty much any platform that podcasts are available. But if you want a specific list, you can check out our links, which are on our website at strangeandbeautiful.club. There's also a link to our Instagram and to the Patreon on there. And the mythical, spoken of only in myth, submission form, where you can give us information about what you'd like to hear us talk about. Tomorrow, we are going to be watching Scrooged. And then we'll be giving you our rundown on Scrooged, which I haven't seen Scrooged in. Long enough, it might as well be the first time I've seen it. Which version is this? This is the one with Bill Murray. Gotcha. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's been a be long good. time, though. I'm excited. I was very young, I think, when I watched it last time. So I'm interested to see what I see it see in it now. That was just terrifying before. Like, the only scene I remember is when he's in the elevator and he opens his... The one guy opens his um, jacket and there's like two creatures living in his ribcage. Is this the one with the crows at the end? What? Maybe not. <laughs> this is Th- the there's one a, where... There's a version of Scrooge. Uh, this where... is Scrooged with well, Bill Murray. One of the Scrooge uh, sto- movies. Christmas carols, yes. Yeah, yeah, one of the Christmas carol adaptations in the... Uh, Christmas future scene it ends with like a bunch of crows descending in I haven't seen this one in so long it might as well be the first time I've seen it I'll just reiterate that point so I'm excited because clearly I don't remember how it ends so this would be be good I remember he's like a TV producer he is, yes. Yeah. And I'm going to try to have That's this out, out by Christmas. So we'll have a Christmas episode. But I've got a lot to tackle. So if it doesn't make it out by Christmas, it's our New Year's episode. You're welcome, guys and gals. And whatever you want to identify as, we accept everybody here. <laughs> because. Remember. <laughs> I'm queuing you up. I queued you up so good. And you just looked at me like, nope. <laughs> Oh, find your happy place. Remember, 
Sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. He's too sleepy to vocalize. Oh, that's because the electric blanket's plugged in.